Today's scripture is Romans 1, 1 through 17. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures, the gospel concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be son of God with according with power according to the spirit of holiness by resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name, including yourselves, who are called to be to belong to Jesus Christ, to all God's beloved in Rome, who are called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed throughout the world. For God, whom I serve with my spirit by announcing the gospel of his Son, is my witness that without ceasing, I remember you always in my prayers, asking that by God's will, I may somehow at last succeed in coming to you. For I am longing to see you, so that I may share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, or rather, so that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented. In order that I may reap some harvest among you as I have among the rest of the Gentiles, I am a debtor both to Greeks and to the barbarians both to the wise and to the foolish. Hence my eagerness to proclaim the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith, as it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. This is the word of God. It's, uh, it's great to be back among you. I've been gone for three weeks. Um, and um, I, I've, been in, I've been in church, but I, I haven't been here. And uh, I, I'm so glad to be back in uh, the friendly confines of uh, this place and, and each of you. So thank you for welcoming me, and thank you for the opportunity of, of uh, sharing something with you as we begin a new sermon series. The last time I was preaching, we were beginning a sermon series. So I, maybe it falls to me to uh, start these things and then let the, the real folks uh, who <laughs> uh, give you the, the meat on the, on the bones. But... This is a, a great time to, uh, to share with each other and a, a great Sunday to, to be together. 
I want to take an opportunity before uh, beginning that part to introduce to you two of, uh, of friends of mine who are here from California. And uh, there's Frank Wolf. And uh, yes, thank you. Ooh, yeah. Frank, Frank is uh, the pastor at University Church at USC. And, uh, and uh, so is uh, on the cutting edge of dealing with faculty and students and uh, a part of that community in a very urban environment of, uh, of Los Angeles. And uh, next to him is Nestor Santiago Harrente. <laughs> and uh, Nestor is a pastor in Long Beach. And um, he was uh, yesterday just elected as the president of the National Association of Filipino American United Methodists. Uh, and this is an organization of, uh, of, uh, of Filipino Americans who, who are uh, with a, a huge number of ties to the Philippines, and uh, many of them are here, many are here in Chicago. Uh, and uh, so uh, this organization met for their every two-year gathering in, uh, in Evanston at, at uh, Garrett Seminary. And uh, Frank and Nestor were there, and uh, while he was there advocating for uh, LGBT rights and concerns, he was elected president of the entire association. So, <laughs> woo! Yeah, yeah, so... We're glad to have, uh, I'm, I'm very glad and, and very uh, honored to have uh, Frank and Nestor, colleagues from the annual conference that is home to me, California Pacific Annual Conference, and to have them uh, join with, uh, with us today. <clears throat> well, here we go. We're going to start this whole series on Romans. And so I want to I ask you to to start an exercise in your mind. There was a class that was dealing with faith and a personal identity. And the leader of the group uh, asked all the participants to take one sheet of paper and a pair of scissors. No markers, no pencil, no, just a pair of scissors and a piece of paper and to make a shape with those scissors out of that piece of paper to make a shape that indicated their faith journey. Kind of who they are and what their faith is about. And he let them go. What would yours be? What would you do with a pair of scissors and a piece of paper and that prompt that the teacher gave? I don't have scissors or paper to give you, so I'm going to let you do that in your mind's eye or your, your thinking as we talk. And if you want to tune out and just do that, you're welcome to do that. But uh, uh, think through, what, what, would, what shape would develop for you out of that whole sense of um, where's your faith and where are you? Where's your faith for you? Who are you? And what shape would that look like? Start cutting away. <laughs> As we talk about Romans, one of the things that I wanted to, uh, to ask, 
How many know the phrase, the Roman road? Anybody know that? A few of you, okay. All right, well, uh, you can, if, you, if you look at Romans in, uh, on Google or any other search, you get the Romans road right off. It's all over the place. And it's a four or five step way of working your way through Romans to make sure you're saved, to make sure you got it right. And so this road, of this Roman road, is a road to salvation, to some kind of personal salvation. And you start with the third chapter, and then you move to the fifth chapter, and then you move to the eighth chapter, and then you move to the thirteenth chapter, and you got the Roman road, the road to find God, the road to find your comfort zone with Jesus. <laughs> I want to ask you to put that aside, because this is something where people have cherry-picked a few verses here, and then here, and then here, and then here, to do what, to accomplish what they want to do with the book of Romans. But what we want to do in this whole series is to look at the book, to see what God is telling us through the writings of Paul, not what someone wants us to hear, but what God is telling us and to see how that might affect our living. So I, I'd never heard of this until we started preparing for this series, this Road to Roman. But those of you who have, and those, just kind of file that away and know that that's one way to look at the book of Romans. But we want to look at it in a different way. Okay? So... Why should we do this? Every good student, when, the, when a teacher says, I want you to read this book, well, why should I do that? So why should we look at the book of Romans? Why should we open this book of all the books that are in the Bible? Why should we open this book and look at it? Well, reason number one is good old Martin Luther. Born in 1483, so a little while ago, And this is what he says. This letter, the book of Romans, this letter is truly the most important piece in the New Testament. It is purest gospel. It is well worth a Christian's while not only to memorize it word for word, but also to occupy himself with it daily as though it were the daily bread for the soul. It is impossible to read or to meditate on this letter too much or too well. The more one deals with it, the more precious it becomes and better it tastes. Reason number one <laughs> uh, to look at that, Martin Luther says this is really a valuable piece of scripture. It's purest gospel but it doesn't have any of the parables, anything about what Jesus said, and yet, purest gospel. So there's uh, something to research and to think about as we work our way through the book of Romans. 
Another reason that uh, we should think about this book that I'll offer just personally when I heard about this series and, and we started thinking about it together as pastors of Urban Village Church, Romans contains some of my favorite, most favorite passages, period. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, to present your, your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect. Boom. That's good. That's good stuff. And uh, in Romans 8, how many times have we read that passage or heard that passage? At least I have and, and have used it and preached on it. And it's, there's so much there. Who will separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus? Will hardship or distress or persecution or the sword or peril or nakedness? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation can separate us from the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Boom! Good passages there. Lots to think about. Lots to work on, and to live out. So that's another reason. There, there's some good stuff here. <laughs> At least I'll witness to that, and I invite you to find your favorite passages in that book. Another reason that we might think about looking at Romans is that it is unique among all of Paul's letters, Paul's epistles that he sent. Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, these great letters of Paul were sent to people he had already met. And he's writing back to them. He's been there, now he's writing back and kind of saying, well, oh, I forgot to say something, or, or don't forget to say hi to so-and-so, and, and, uh, and it goes on. Thinking about what he's already said and hearing about what they've done or what they're talking about and either correcting them or reinforcing what he has already seen in them and has spoken to them. This letter, Romans, Paul is writing to people he has never met in a place he has never visited. Makes it unique. Now, if I were writing to people I had never met, I'd kind of soft-pedal things. I don't know about you, but I'd say, oh, it's going to be good to meet you sometime. I really missed getting acquainted with you somehow. and um, I'm sure we can agree on how God's working in our lives, and isn't this wonderful? And I'd say a few kind of general good kind of things that I think they could agree on. And if there's any kind of disagreement, like Paul heard that they... 
the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians were fighting among themselves so much that the emperor actually moved them out of Rome because they were fighting so much. If I'd heard something, I wouldn't talk about that right then. I'd kind of wait until we got acquainted, you know? But Paul uses the big typeface, the bold writing in the sky kind of language as he addresses the people in Rome. He doesn't pull any punches. He lays out the gospel of Jesus Christ clearly. There it is. Boom. Now, he does say, I, there in the passage we read, I, I want to hear from you. It's a mutual thing. I, I look forward to learning from you as you might from me. But what a powerful way to share the faith with people you don't even know. And he lays that out. It, it's a, a sense of maybe, is it desperation? Is it eagerness? Is it a premonition or an understanding that maybe if he gets to Rome, and church tradition is that he got to Rome, but he was in chains. In fact, there's a cathedral in Rome, St. Paul in chains. He was under arrest. He didn't get to talk to that community in the way he envisioned. Did somehow, this is not a time to mess around. It's not a time to pull punches. It's not a time to wait until it's better off or until it's more convenient. Boom. He lets them hear. So it's worth reading for that to see what this man who was so eager to share what, what he said and what God said through him and what we might get out of that these centuries later. Now, I can't go without offering one more. Are you counting? One, now this is the fourth. One more reason. <laughs> Urban Village Church is related to the United Methodist Church. We disagree with a number of stands of the United Methodist Church in various ways, and so we, we, uh, are, uh, we have lovers' quarrels, but we have received their support and their financial support as we have begun Urban Village Church. And the founder of Urban Village Church was a man named John Wesley. He was an Anglican priest in England, and uh, poor old John, <laughs> he decided that he would get on a boat and come to Georgia to convert the Indians. And when he got there, there's no record of his ever having met an Indian, or let alone learn the language or try to convert. He got messed up in all of the politics of the Anglican Church there in Georgia and got crosswise with none other than the niece of the governor of Georgia, Oglethorpe, and had to slink out on a ship in the middle of the night to return to England. You talk about defeat times two or ten. 
holy smokes, and here he is now with all of those scars and all of that failure following him around, burdening him, and what does he do in the middle of the week in May but go to a Moravian, kind of like Quaker, Moravian meeting house there in London, and he sits down and there in that meeting is a man, we don't know his name, a man who was reading Martin Luther's preface, kind of an introduction, introduction to the book of Romans. Okay, now you know where we're going on that. Four. So here he is, and this is what the man is reading by Martin Luther. Faith is a work of God in us, which changes us and brings us to birth anew from God. It kills the old Adam and makes us completely new people in heart, mind, senses, all of our powers, and brings the Holy Spirit with it. What a living, creative, and active, powerful thing is faith. It is impossible that faith can ever stop doing good. Faith is a living, unshakable confidence in God's grace. It is so certain that someone would die a thousand times for it. This kind of trust in and knowledge of God's grace makes a person joyful, confident, and happy with regard to God and all creatures. And then Wesley writes in his journal, In the evening, I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street where one was reading Luther's preface to the Epistle to the Romans about a quarter past nine while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ. I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. So here we have someone who was feeling pretty wounded and ineffective, who finds himself going to a Moravian meeting house, hearing something written by a Lutheran, out of the book of Romans. What an interesting intersection of so many influences. Might that happen for some of us? <laughs> so, um, fourth reason. So here we are, looking at the book of Romans, and what I want to do with the remainder of our time is give you a little bit of like a trailer, a little kind of preview. So spoiler alert, here's what's coming. I don't know about you, but I am again and again daily, even hourly aware of how lousy I am, of how I have goofed up, of 
the aspirations, and the reality. I know that I have hurt people. Some of them I have apologized to, and others I will never be able to find or apologize appropriately to. I know that I have made promises to myself and to others and to God that I have not kept. I look back on parts of my life and I literally shudder. And sometimes an image of something in my past comes to me and I moan out loud involuntarily. Now, just as an aside, that's my definition of hell for any of us. <laughs> it's not something God creates. It's something that our past <laughs> creates, of remembering <laughs> and knowing that we can't go back and fix. It's just there. But here I am. I look at this wake that I'm leaving behind me, this cloud of dust as I go on the road trip of life. And I feel pretty rotten about it and about my ability to get there, to go very far, to trust myself, to get myself where I ought to go. But here comes Paul speaking in Romans about a gift that God gives us for the road trip of life. And he is adamant about one thing clearly that God's love is more powerful than all of my failures and disappointments. And it's not something that I roll up my sleeves and do or earn. It's something that God has given me. Make all the rules you want to, all of the commandments, all of the guidelines you want to, I'm going to fail at all or most of those. Paul says it sets us up for failure when we make these lists. As good and as, and as important as they are, but in the care and forgiveness that God offers us, that we learn about through Jesus, there is something that changes in our lives. Now, I will admit that sometimes I get a little smug about this that kind of I can do anything because God will forgive me. I'll, I can even fail more boldly 
because God will be all the more bold in forgiving. But I also know that no matter what I do to put up barriers, there is God. And God doesn't accept the barriers we put up around ourselves. The barrier of all of the people who are gay over here and all the people who are straight over here, all the people who are rich, all the people who are poor, all the people, all the kinds of, of definitions that we come up with that separate people from each other are gone. The power in the passage that we read is greetings to all, where all means all. He's not talking about just a few. He's not talking about people who memorize this or who have learned that. He's talking about all. That means you, as strange as that may be, it means me. Oh, mercy. Oh, mercy. <laughs> what a wonderful field that is for us to discover and rediscover. Romans doesn't give us a road, but a, perhaps a road map doesn't give us a point by point, one, two, three, four, but gives us GPS signals and directions for us to put together the route that God might lead us in, as twisty a route as it may be, and as long of a route as it may be. It keeps on continuing throughout our So here comes Romans. Did you use your mind's eye to do the cutting? Have you got an image for, a, for what you might end up here? Of what Grace and you are all about? Well, the instructor in that group, just as they were all finishing and ready to speak about and to explain their design, got a basket and asked them, first of all, to pick up all of the leftover, all of the stuff on the table, the sharp edges, and the crunkled paper and the stuff that had fallen to the floor and put it in the basket and then the designs and then lifted it up and said all of this we give to you O God of grace all of who we are we know you know and we offer to you 
in our weakness and in our strength, in our faith and in our faithlessness, we offer. 